Hi, this is Robert Richman with CultureHackers.com, and I'm really excited for our interview today. It's with Derek Lick, and I'm, I'm really excited because I first met Dara at my first speech that I ever did about hacking. And it was a time where I've, I, I usually speak on the entire culture blueprint and the whole plan and deep, deep culture change and for this, I really found that there was so much juice and energy in hacks themselves, the, the quick, high-leverage actions that could be done to create change. And I was so uh, happy to hear back from, from Dara about all the um, use that she got out of it, and, and she graciously agreed to do an interview. Hi, Dara. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Um, would you mind telling everybody just a little bit about your background? Absolutely. So I came to Leadership Unleashed where you are speaking from a medical background. So I'm a physician and I teach at a major academic medical school, Washington University in St. Louis. And in the last year, I became the director, the medical director of the standardized patient program. And this is a program that uses actors to help teach doctors, nurses, healthcare professionals in general how to talk to patients. And I think this is really where I keyed in um, to the hacks. And I'm charged with a huge task, something as big as communication skills, but I find that it becomes a micro task of in each interaction, how do you win? How do you make the best choice? How do you move the uh, conversation forward? So the hacks ended up working on two levels for me. One, thinking of them as a way to teach communication and then also a way to work within the culture that I had newly joined uh, at that point. So if, if, I can, if I can recap that back to you, you're, are you saying that you found that, that leadership is more like a series of very small interactions where you have the most amount of impact? I think so. I think that's it. And I think that's part of one of your hacks as well, right? Is to be able to see um, influence um, and to see these little micro interactions is where you really make the change. Because I think personally, if you hear the whole blueprint, sometimes it's overwhelming. Where do I act? Where is my my micro choice? Where is my PowerPoint? Um, and that's you know where the hacks come in for me. Excellent. Excellent. So you had, had heard these and which was the, the first hack you decided to try out? I actually decided to lean into the fear and go with, uh, tell me what you think I don't want to hear. Mm -hmm. So that was the one that was the most intimidating. Um, and then that was the one that seemed like the best place to start as well. <laughs> Got it. So how'd that go? It went really well. Excellent. <laughs> um, you know, the first time I used it, I tried it with uh, somebody that I just felt like I had no read on what they were thinking. Mm -hmm. So it was a, a person that I um, that was a, kind of in a supervisor role for me. So it was great. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I prefaced it with I'm really open to the results and I'm committed to the relationship. So I want you to tell me what you think I don't want to hear because I recognize that I'm missing a piece. Yeah. And what was amazing about it to me was then they leaned into. Mm. So this had been a person who was hard to reach, hard to read. 
But when it came from this place, we had somehow gotten through those barriers and we were ready to, to do actual work. Very cool. Yes. Um, and it set a tone. That is now how we interact with each other. Mm. And that's been so much more productive. And really, there wasn't anything I heard that was all that scary. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love... You, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I love hearing that just from the perspective of that you, 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 you had the courage, you tried the hack, that the hack really worked, and then it changed almost the systematic relationship. So you didn't have to keep thinking about it as a hacker, keep using it. It changed the dynamic, and then it's like a new system. The, the relationship is like a new system moving forward. Absolutely. And what a waste of time the fear is. Mm. So there's a, a hidden productivity benefit for me in the sense that I was spending a lot of time on fear. And when I hacked this way, now I just don't have to spend any more time on that. Um, in the relationship so we can just work. Absolutely. And is your energy different? Yes. Way different. Way different. I think I, I underestimate, I think a lot of people underestimate how much time and energy is spent on that fear base. So the fun next level mm-hmm. was to try it with patients. Mm. <laughs> um, because I think that's another place where we can get really one-sided in what we're offering. And it's another also place of fear where physicians can feel afraid of, you know, what, what are patients going to say? What am I going to hear back? Um, But I've also subsequently tried that. So for instance, in my work, um, clinical work, I'm a child psychiatrist. So I often have to promote profound behavior change Mm -hmm. um, in situations where they really don't want to or don't feel able to change things. Yeah. Um, so working with a parent and um, we had gone through a long behavior plan of what we were going to try. And then I basically said the hack. I said, okay, so we laid all this out. Um, I want to know where the barriers are and where the roadblocks are. So tell me what you think I don't want to hear. And it was amazing because I had missed some very relevant pieces of why I didn't think she could change. But, but until I lowered the power differential, I don't think she could tell me. Would you mind going into that a little bit? I'm, I'm honest. I'm not, I'm not sure I understand what you mean. So, so like in the scenario in general, it's, it was a kid who's a, who can be very rigid mm-hmm. and the parent was really struggling to on some level stand up to the kid, although that's not exactly it. It's, you know, the kid would get so distressed whenever someone told this particular kid what to do that then the parent ended up always chasing and trying not to upset the child. And when we first looked at the problem, we really were focusing on breaking it down into its parts. How does it happen? When does he get upset? You know, what can we do to fix it? A very mechanical kind of approach. Mm-hmm. And I was reading her and I was thinking, I'm missing something. I don't think she's ready to act. And we really look for that when we're counseling on behavior change because we get how hard it is. So I sensed this hesitation. And I realized that we were in such a power differential as a physician where she might feel obligated to try what I'm saying. But if she doesn't believe in what I'm saying, Mm. it won't happen. Yes. 
And so I was looking at her and I thought, mm, I'm missing something. I'm missing some part of why she's doing what she's doing. Hmm. So the hack allowed me to introduce the idea, first of all, that I was open to feedback, but also that I was open to something not working. So when I said it, you know, I, I said, okay, we laid all this out. Tell me what I'm missing. Tell me what you think I don't want to hear. Why isn't this going to work? And you could just watch her take this big, deep breath, you know, <laughs> and then she starts telling me the actual resistance that she had. And a lot of it centered around her own fear. What's going to happen if he gets really upset? What happens if we can't bring it back? Um, will he feel loved? You know, the real stuff that was going on for her content. So I think this is a different, a slightly different use of the hack, right? So the first time I told you, I was describing using it with a supervisor and I was using it to indicate my own openness mm -hmm. in that power differential. Yeah. But here it was really powerful in a totally separate power differential where the physician will, I was at risk of dictating a plan that didn't have full buy-in. And so then the hack worked there too. Does that make sense? Yeah, completely. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. It's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and did, did you try any others or was that pretty much the one? No, I did. I tried uh, several other ones. I, I like the, if you're working hard, you're doing it wrong. Mm -hmm. I, I think this is one of the hardest ones culturally in medicine, but it's helped me to ask some good questions. I think a lot in medicine, we underutilize software productivity leverages as well as things that you can delegate. Mm -hmm. So I think one place that we don't do is technology delegation. So it's led me to fight for some software solutions that take out some of our efforts, you know, whether it's like a scheduling software or a productivity and project management software. So, you know, really looking at places where we are spinning our wheels or not doing the most productive thing. How do we get more productive? Awesome. Yes. And I think that one's really worked. Very cool. I think on a personal level, the one that I wasn't afraid of, but was sort of had that begrudging, oh, this is probably right kind of response, <laughs> mm -hmm. was um, the know your enemy um, and the enemy is distraction. Mm -hmm. This has been one that I've had to kind of let the truth grow on me. So I've tried to make this one more of a patient question. So when I'm going off to a given distraction, email was one you talked about when we were there. Um, I'm trying to give myself a, a chance to at least ask and answer the question of what am I moving away from? Mm. And it's not a hundred percent. Like sometimes I still go, yeah, I think I'll move away from that. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm definitely still making that choice, but I have gotten much more intentional and, and really actually pretty good at asking the question. And I know that people have said that to me, um, that there's a kind, there's a kindness even in, in the idea of it being a hack or a leverage point that didn't feel like judgment. Mm. 
if that makes sense. Can you talk a little more about that? So I think when you tell somebody, this is what you're doing, you know, you're using these things to, as a crutch, whatever that is for a given person, food, email, all those things, then it immediately gets this defensive posture. Mm. Because you're like, no, I'm not, or, well, I need to do that, or, you know, the narrative goes on. But the fun part of a hack as a construct itself to me was it put it all in my court. Mm. So then I thought, okay, well, this is just me, and what do I want to do with my own productivity? Um, and it puts it the locus of control in a different place, I think. So then it became a question of, okay, do I want to use that distraction? Am I, do I need it? Is that where I am? Energy-wise, fine. Or is there something bigger to look at? And I think it's the same principle as the first hack we were talking about. It's whether or not I want to lose the productivity to the fear or to the distraction. And if I don't, then don't check email. <laughs> um, right then don't do it. Um, so I do think that's a, a, an underlying current of the power of a hack concept as well. Yeah. And I think with that one in particular, you know, the hack was, was know your enemy, not defeat your enemy, not, you know, destroy it, but just to know it. And I found so much power in that, like for me, where I just really had to come to terms with it when there's a, a task in the morning that I really don't want to do. I have a sudden craving for dark chocolate. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. And sometimes, sometimes I give into it and sometimes I don't, but I've made it really conscious. And then it's like you said, it's my power. It's my choice rather than that having power over me. Yes. Yes. I think that makes a lot of sense. I think that makes a lot of sense. And I'm amazed truly at how many of these things end up being about consciousness and not hundred steps down the road where you never have the problem again. <laughs> There's <laughs> incredible power in the consciousness itself. Yeah. I'm really glad to hear you say that. I think what, what, what excites me so much about the hacking is that <laughs> it, it appears to just be like a, a trick, a quick help, um, something that gets a, a quick result and it does, but what it's really doing is shifting person's mindset into realizing, wait a minute, I'm way more powerful than I thought. Wait a minute, I have more control than I thought. It's kind of this, this awakening. And, um, um, you know, I, I love seeing when people get into an entirely different mindset, which, which brings me to the next question. Have you felt like beyond the leadership hacks that we're presenting, um, has the idea of hacks and hacking, uh, impacted your, your, your thinking in general or impacted other areas? Yes, I am having the best time with the idea. You know, it, um, yes, and I, I really, I love, I love the language of it. I, I've really been playing with it. And what I've been doing, so one of the parts of my job is that I work with medical students. I work with physicians um, on one-on-one -on -one settings when they're having trouble with communications. So it can be a certain kind of patient situation that they are struggling with, or it can be a more general um, problem. And so I've taken the hack language and brought it there. And I think it has 
the power that you're discussing in that setting too. So if you can imagine this, it's really, it can be very difficult to come in to a situation where you feel like someone is talking about your communication skills, right? We consider it to be pretty close to the vest, pretty essential to who we are. Yeah. So it, it can really set up a defensiveness that's a very low yield. <laughs> <laughs> so um, part of what I do is real clarity of expectations, some humor, you know, which is another one of the hacks, right? Mm-hmm. I set up from the very beginning. The first thing I say is um, the goal of this is for it to not be painful. Yeah. Um, and what I want to do is teach you some hacks. I want to teach you high yield behaviors and fixes that you can use consistently to get better results. And it puts things in a, a framework again of consciousness and of utility. So it's not going to be an hour of sitting with me where I endlessly dissect all the things you do wrong. Cause who <laughs> wants to do that? Right. 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 So what I've started noticing for myself too, is where are my hacks? Where are the things that I do that are high leverage? So some of them are really well known you know, good eye contact when you shake someone's hand in an appropriate and assertive way, Mm -hmm. it's everybody started, right? But if you frame it as a hack and not a have to, Mm -hmm. then they engage, right? And what we do is these one-on-one role plays with an actor who's portraying a patient. So what we can then do is help them find their own. So they'll try something. Let's say they'll try an introduction. This is maybe a student who's come in and they are not perceived as being very confident. So I'll give a hack, right? I'll say, let's try this. Let's try good eye contact that's sustained with a good um, handshake. Try it. So they'll role play it with the actor. Then we can stop, break character, talk about how it went. Then the student gets the chance to say, okay, what do you want to try? And they start to develop their own hacks. Mm. So I, you know, some students feel like if they set an agenda and tell what's going to happen, then they feel more confident and get started. Great. Maybe that's one of your hacks. Let's try it. See if it works. And then if it does, it becomes part of your repertoire. And it becomes this very cool thing of I may know 15 or 20 different things, but it becomes them selecting their own hack. What really works for their style? And it's very, very empowering. Yeah, I love I love the way you say that too. In terms of um, what what hits me is that the way that you're implementing this, it doesn't require anybody to change their beliefs. It right. it just it just says you're you're going to try it, you're going to hack it. If it works, great. If it doesn't, um, that's that's fine too. And it's not imposing your your belief and telling somebody what to do. It's uh, it, it it's them getting to roll up their sleeves and play with it. Oh my gosh, you're so right. That is why. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> I didn't even think of it that way, but yeah. And no wonder the the defensiveness goes away, right? Mm-hmm. Because I'm not challenging who you are or your belief system. I'm giving you high yield opportunities that you practice yes. and see if they work. Totally. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I totally think that's part of it. Yeah, and I love what you're saying too about the the language of of this. It, I find it so impactful. I remember at the end of the speech where you were at at uh, Leadership Unleashed, um, mm-hmm. Farzam um, came up to me and he said, he said, I I, I love um, being a culture hacker. And I, I said, why? And he said, I, I get to, it's a little bit mischievous. I get I get to, right. <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah. And he was, he said, you know, I, I get to be mischievous. And he said, I went home and I taught my daughter about them and she really liked them. And I, I love that it's this sense of, um, it, it, it's, it's almost like this identity shift rather than something you're doing, rather than a task, rather than a plan, an implementation of project. It's yeah. like, I love the idea of people going back into whatever organization or group and saying, I'm a culture hacker. I'm here to hack this culture with that sly kind of grin on their face that, that like almost says to somebody there, like you're about to have fun and you don't even know it. Yes. And isn't that the, inter- and you know, what's so interesting about that observation mm-hmm. is that how many people leave? And I've been using Dan Mazik's uh, meeting techniques as well. Mm-hmm. So when you put in game mechanics to the structure and then you come in to hack the culture and to play, mm-hmm. it's funny how many times people leave meetings saying that was fun. And then you look back, major changes have happened, but nobody was freaking out about them. Yes. yes. It was just like, let's see, you know. Let's do. And if I, I think if we had come in and said, you know, for instance, we've been really working hard on increasing the diversity of the cases that we portray so that they really reflect our community. And I think there can be this tendency to water down a portrayal of a patient so, you know, that it's easy or whatever the idea or not not going to get people too confused. But then the patient that you've made up as the story is so bland that they're not real. Yeah. And we really wanted to increase the diversity of the cases, the way that these patients that are being portrayed have, have lived their lives. And I think if we'd come in with a 10 point, you know, thing of, of each case has to have this, or it would have felt so different versus sitting down and saying, this matters to us. We want to increase the diversity. How do we play? How do we go in and start doing that um, in a hack instead of this big overt, you know, cum- cumbersome thing? And it's really worked um, in ways that were really surprising. Awesome. Awesome. I'm so, so glad to hear that. What, what's, um, what advice would you have to somebody just starting out on this journey of, of, of culture hacking? I think courage. I think the same kind of playfulness that we are encouraging when I was talking about a student or talking about a strategy, I think the strength of the approach is try it. And then modify and learn from it. I think probably it did help to lean into the one that scared me the most because then the other ones just become like, all right, I got this. Ah, <laughs> nice, nice. Even though they're hard, they have their own things. But by taking the one hack that felt the most terrifying, when that went well, it just became, oh my gosh, now I've got this list of 10 tools. Which one do I want to play with next? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I think that's one of the biggest pieces. And to realize that those barriers that you've set up for yourself, you know, fear of what somebody will tell you when you ask for real feedback or what if the joke doesn't work or all of those things, they're all very livable outcomes. And what I found and, and is that when you're using this, if you come from that genuine place, the other person will lean in. They will come to play and they will help you to solve it. So even if, for instance, you know, that humor is your killer app and let's say the joke is terrible, 
that intent brings the other person to the table and they may tell their own joke. They'll oh, bring- wow. That's amazing. Yeah. It's, it is really a powerful thing. So, so cool. Awesome. Well, I, I, I am just so thrilled th- through hearing all this. It is just so fulfilling for me to hear how much you've gotten out of this, how much courage you've had, how much you've, you've shared this, this with other people. Um, I'm just so thrilled there. It's amazing. Yay. And thank you. A very, a very sincere thank you for all of the fun and adventure it's brought into my professional life and everything I've gotten to experience because of it. I'm very grateful. My pleasure. My pleasure. Well, that's it for this episode on culturehackers.com. Stay tuned for our next one.